Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Lynn, and I'm joined today by our VP of Operations, Amanda. Hey, everyone. And our incredible guest, Natasha C. Dewhurst. Hey. Hi. So, Natasha, we are so glad to have you here today. Um, for everyone out there, Natasha is an advanced rapid trans. I got to look at my notes here. Transformational therapist, a clinical hypnotherapist, hypnotherapist. I got to get this right. <laughs> so I'm looking at my notes and an ILM accredited well-being coach. And she specializes in burnout. So after Natasha survived or went through a traumatic childhood event, uh, she developed PTSD and chronic fatigue. And she ended up in a wheelchair. But after healing herself, then Natasha now pays it forward and helps other women overcome faulty childhood beliefs and burnout and instead reclaim their lives. Um, wow, that's so important, such incredible work. So today we're going to be talking about Natasha's own journey um, from her traumatic childhood, uh, learning to um, about her burnout so she could overcome that. And how she ended up in that wheelchair, you know, and that the recovery that led to her life's purpose. So I think I sort of made a mess of that. But <laughs> Natasha, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Amanda, for having me. It's great to be here. Well, we it's are. Such a, yeah, go ahead. It's such an important time at the moment. Right. You know, I think as as women who are who have many roles in our lives and we wear different masks in the different roles we're always quite vulnerable to burnout but at the moment with the challenges that we're going through with covid we are you know we're stepping up we're doing more we're you know we've got perhaps children that are homeschooling and we're suddenly a teacher while running our business we may have lost our jobs and be kind of frantically worrying about what to do next and looking and searching and we might be in a job where we're really having to work extra hours to kind of cover the capacity of people being split into different shifts or being off sick so at the moment it's just such a challenging time so anything we can do to kind of support women out there that are struggling at the moment is just wonderful so thank you for having me on no and you're absolutely right and this is something that women always take on a lot more I mean uh, and you know it's sort of like that whole we can do it all and you know it just it's really easy to become overwhelmed and then leading to burnout um, and, you know, all the health conditions that can arise out of it. So this is a really great conversation that we're going to be having. And for all of our listeners out there, if you are joining us for the first time, um, make sure you don't miss a single episode uh, by subscribing to Claim Your Career Crown wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, uh, share the love and click all five stars. All right. Amanda, Natasha, let's get started. So, um, Natasha, you've been so candid about having a traumatic childhood. Um, can you tell us more, um, whatever you're comfortable, um, about that experience and how that led you to a lack of self-trust, burnout, and in a weakened immune system? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm always very kind of comfortable sharing my story because I know that in my own recovery, it's hearing other people's story that enables you sometimes to put words to your experiences that you don't know 
how to describe to other people. And I think there's always that bit of shame or embarrassment because you feel like you're the only one. And of course, you know, podcasts like this are wonderful because then we realise actually everybody has had something that they've been challenged by, had to live with. And it's incredible the impact, the lifelong impact that it has on you. And I really, truly believe that this isn't spoken about enough. Um, So in my situation, I grew up, I was born and then I was fostered straight away. Um, I was born to an unmarried mother who was only 19. And my grandparents were very successful. And they were absolutely mortified with the pregnancy. So I was fostered straight away, taken away from my mother. And she decided that wasn't the end of the story, worked really hard, got me back after about eight months and we reconnected. But she was really missing some kind of basic skills. And it was a it was a learning process for her with me. And so along the way, there were, you know, the kind of predators that look out for women like that, who aren't that confident, who are just trying their best. And so there was a lot of stories of kind of neglect and abuse through my child. And I think the important thing about that and that happens to so many of us is when you are in a situation where, you know, life isn't safe and you have to kind of make yourself small and try and kind of stay hidden to try and keep safe or as in was in my case, when my um, my stepfather used to abuse my mum, I used to jump in the way at six years old and I knew that it was wrong. that He was hurting her and she needed protection. So these experiences basically turned on my fight and flight. So for those people who are like not sure what I'm talking about, we have a nervous system response. And when we get um, triggered, we then go into one of four responses, fight, flight, freeze and appease. So for me, that response was always on when I was a child. And on a physical level, what that means is you've got chemicals running through your body constantly. You've got adrenaline, noradrenaline, you've got cortisol. And so what that means is you're constantly on red alert. You're like an overactive smoke detector. You're like constantly looking out for danger. And when you live like that, those chemicals start depleting your immunity. They start showing up as kind of like physical symptoms in your body. And possibly the saddest thing, Lynn, is you start losing trust in your body, right? Because your body's reacting in this way and you don't know how to process that. You're just a child. You don't know how to deal with life being scary and people being dangerous. You don't know how to deal with your body. So what happens is you lose all kind of trust in your own decision making and your power disappears and you learn as I did that actually it was quite dangerous to have an opinion it was dangerous to say no because that would be provocation for more kind of abuse so for me I spent many many years in this state and my story was quite a positive one because I did have the influence of my grandparents and my mother was a lovely woman you know she just was lacking the skills and so I at a young age realized I could change my life around so I worked really hard I left 
you know, I left the town that I lived in. I went away. I went to university. I got married. And, you know, you'd think, great, that's the end of it. But of course, it's not. Because what happens is we carry with us the stories. So we all as women, we all have these stories, right? Our stories are life isn't safe or men aren't safe because I've had this experience, right? As a young girl, that every man that came into my mother's life was abusive because they were predators and they preyed on her. And so as an adult, then I'm looking at the world through these glasses of life isn't safe, men men aren't safe, and you adapt who you are to try and stay safe. And you don't realize that you're living your life looking through these story glasses. You think, you're just getting on as normal and it's only when you know you keep getting triggered by situations and then you look around and you think hang on nobody else is getting triggered here why why am I reacting to the way this guy's just said something his tone of voice the way he's looked at me and again the cortisol the adrenaline starts running and you just end up being incredibly depleted. So for me, the burnout came much later. I'd, I'd got married. I had two beautiful children, both with additional needs. And what I found is I was working. I was managing my children. It's a common story. You know, lots of lots of women are in this situation today. And I felt like so grateful that I had this job. I had a really high profile career that I loved because my coping mechanism for the abuse that I'd faced was to be perfect. So if I'm perfect in my job, if I'm really good, if I really push myself, nobody will see this damaged, broken child that's beneath the surface who's terrified and whose body just kind of keeps triggering her and she doesn't know why. So my 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 mask was this perfectionist mask. So I was so grateful. I had this high profile career, had these beautiful children and had a bit of a disengaged husband. <laughs> so I was like superwoman at work. I was superwoman at home. But what I didn't realise is I wasn't superhuman and that it would all catch up with me. And that's where the burnout began for me. Wow. <laughs> that really is a horrible, traumatic childhood. And and yet you still came out of that in so many positive ways. Um, but then it led you to that point. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, um, carrying on with your story, how did this lead to being in a wheelchair? Uh, what was that experience like for you? Oh, it was probably the worst time of my life, Amanda. So literally what happened, and again, I say this because if there's anybody out there and they're in this situation, don't do it. I had an event. I had a cold or flu, some kind of virus because I had this weakened immune system. So I was the one in the office. Anyone came in ill, I picked up everything. And um, I had flu and I had a big event that I was running and I knew that I was too ill to do it. But I had no choice in my mind. I couldn't possibly call in sick. I couldn't possibly give it to somebody else because I needed to be perfect. So my insecurities, my stories were pushing me to show up in ways that weren't healthy for me. So I ran the event and then I had a christening 
about a three hour drive away. And I, I again, you know, there was no way I could ring up and say, I've got flu, I'm sick, I can't come because I just didn't have a voice, I didn't have the confidence. And so I went and I got there and I pretty much collapsed. And I'm not sure how I got home from that christening, but I did. I went to bed and I didn't get out again. My body physically stopped. It absolutely stopped. And even sitting up and brushing my hair was a challenge. Even having a shower was a challenge. And it was a really bleak time because I had two young children and I I just kind of at this point was like, oh, my goodness, what if I can never run with my children? What if I can never take them to the play park? What if I can't do those things and show up for them? And I was just heartbroken because I'd had warnings and I knew that I'd ignored them. I used to get this really red kind of face and I used to get really hot. And I'd just push through because that's what I did. Um, I used to get these really horrible headaches and I'd just push through because that's what I did. I'd get sick and I couldn't allow myself to be sick. So I'd be like, you know, really not well. And I'd be like, no, no, I'm fine. I can keep doing this piece of work. I'll get that report in on time. And I never gave myself that grace and space to, you know, for self-care. So for me, I... I was really, really ill. And I got to the point that, you know, the doctors were saying we need to do a brain scan because these headaches, they might be a tumour. They could be this. They could be that. And it was terrifying. And after about eight months of investigations, they said, we think you've got chronic fatigue. So it's a diagnosis by default. When they've ruled everything else out, that's what's left. And so I went on all these courses um, and we call it here grading and pacing. So you look at the activities, you decide whether they're like, you know, easy, medium or hard. And so talking to people would be a hard, um, maybe watching a TV program might be medium, just lying on the bed, listening to some music might be an easy. And so you'd grade what you did and then you'd also pace yourself. So you would try and make things kind of like not too hard for yourself and I did all of that you know I was so committed to doing that you know I'm a perfectionist at this point in my life so I'm going to do it really well and it made absolutely no difference um I started paying you know for different therapies I was desperate because that wasn't going to be the end of my story um so I did all these things nothing really worked until I started reading about the kind of mind body connection and at that point a penny dropped and I read more on that and I read more on that and I managed to get myself well um but it took three years and it was such hard work and then honestly I think it was another five years where I was dipping in and out of burnout I would turn up at work I'd be sat in the car in the car park and I'd be thinking how on earth am I going to get through the next eight hours and then I had to go home and feed my children and look after them and do all the things that needed doing for school projects this that and it really took a long time for me to relearn the skills that I'd missed from you know from my childhood from not having that modeling and rebuild that trust with my body so I'm really sorry that you went through that experience. Um, I'm not sure about you, but I don't know that I've ever heard of um, chronic fatigue before. 
were you surprised when um, when this happened to you? Like, you know, did you ever think that anything like this could happen to you when you're going through these different headaches that you're pushing through and, you know, pushing through the flu and things like that? I I didn't even know it existed either. You know, it was not on my radar. I'd never met anyone that had burnt out. Um, I'd never met anybody who had chronic fatigue. Um, I certainly didn't realise it could happen, uh, you know, to somebody at my age. Um, Mm. And I had no idea that because of, you know, the way in which I'd grown up and that kind of fight flight being on all the time, that I depleted my own immune system and created that. So it was it was a real surprise to me, Amanda, Um, you know, and when I got that diagnosis, I was just like, no, (laughs) I was just like, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not accepting that. You know, I have this family and I've gone through this childhood and my childhood was shit and I'm enjoying my kids and I'm not going to have this as the end of my story. And it was that, I think, that kept pushing me and pushing me to kind of find find what the link was. What how could I how could I make this better? What was it that I needed to do? And interestingly, um, you know, actually, it wasn't about doing. That was the problem. It was the doing and the stories that made me do more than other people. That was the problem. It was about learning to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um, how did these symptoms and events impact your career and your family life and your self-perception? Oh, massively. I, you know, my I ended up getting, you know, slightly depressed through the process because at times there was no hope and uh, it it was very easy for me at that point and this was my mindset at this point to be honest with you just to drop into that victim mindset why me hasn't my life been hard enough why am I getting this challenge it's not fair and of course when you're in that energetic space and this was again part of my discovery was that the language that I was using was keeping me stuck in that place you know this is so stressful this is unfair I'm so ill everything hurts and you know that's not to say that you know when you're in that place those things don't hurt and it isn't hard but when that's all you focus on you you just that's all you you know you get more of what you focus on right so you you, that's all you see so my self-perception was rock bottom my self-esteem fell instantly because at the time I couldn't work I didn't know if I would ever go back to work um it wasn't something that was widely understood Uh, my employers were amazing but they didn't understand what I was going through. And my work was my identity because it wasn't safe to be Natasha. You know, I had these stories playing out. I couldn't be me. I couldn't be authentic. So my, you know, my persona at work was my mask. And without that, I didn't know who I was. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I, we've talked a lot about perfectionism and also this, calamity of negativity or like you know it's literally um you just start going down a dark tunnel and you just keep falling deeper and deeper into that tunnel and that those negative thoughts they just feed on one another and so it's really intriguing that inflection point of when you you know you started you know trying to find a solution because this wasn't going to be your story 
right? This wasn't going to be your end. So you kept seeking that you had enough, you know, that gumption to keep, I'm going to find a solution. And so what was that Yeah, moment when you first, you read that first book, you know, that sort of that, as you began that journey toward recovery um, and, you know, I'm, maybe I've sim- oversimplified your driving motivation, um, but, you know, more about that. And then, you know, those first steps really to, you know, stopping the yeah. cycle. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if I'm being completely honest, I think that, um, you know, my motivation was um, my children. You know, it wasn't actually me. You know, I'm saying it's not going to be my story, but actually the the truth of it was it wasn't going to be their story because it was them that I loved so desperately. I didn't love myself at the time. I didn't know what self-love was. I just kept going. I was like a robot. So my motivation was my love for my two children. And that really was my driver. And I think when I started reading about the mind-body connection, I started just having like these little tiny glimmers of hope that, oh, this sounds familiar. Hang on a minute. You know, I, I could I, I've had these physical symptoms and I've had all this stuff go on. Oh, OK, maybe there is a link. And I, I read everything I could. I did all this research. I, you know, I listened to, you know, different audios and I talked to people and it all started making complete sense. And then the beautiful thing, like we're doing now, is I started hearing about other people's journeys. And it's like, okay, well, if that was their, you know, if that was their story, what's mine? And I think one of the game changers for me was reading about language and realizing that the way that I was talking to myself was keeping me stuck in this place. And it wasn't just me, Lynn. Um, I remember my mum coming to visit me and she would say to me, oh my goodness, your life is so stressful. How do you manage this job and do all these things? And then you've got your family and they've got all their needs and you're managing that and you're going to have a breakdown. And that's what she'd say to me. And then maybe my sister would say, you're so stressed, you're going to break if you don't stop soon. And of course, they were all coming from this really well-meaning place they could see that I was carrying too much um, and, you know, they didn't know how to say, OK, how can we help? What what pressure? What could we change? What other solutions could we put in place? Instead, they were like, oh, this isn't going to end well. You're going to have a breakdown. You you know, it's too much for you. So their negative words were impacting on me as well. Um, so that was, you know, really a pivotal point for me. OK, well, if I change this one thing, if I change my language, what difference might that have on me? And it's, you know, it's something anybody who's listening can do right now. You know, when we say to ourselves, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm absolutely exhausted. Life's so hard. This isn't fair. We start feeling really kind of like heavy and we feel just really kind of despondent and life feels hard. And so when we feel like that and we're saying that, we're more likely to like stay in bed or not get up or not do the things that we know are good for us. Right. But when we kind of like try and pivot and change our language and say, 
I feel full of energy. And even though we're lying to ourselves, you know, I feel full of energy. I feel great. Then we start feeling that little spark of hope or optimism. And then we're more likely to go, well, you know what? I'm feeling okay, so I'm going to go and read that book or I'm going to go and sit in the garden. And then when you take that action, that just adds to this kind of like upward spiral of positivity because then you think, oh, I'm sat in the garden. Look at me. I'm not in bed today. I'm feeling good about myself. And it was a journey that just went from that point and just developed further and further. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm just such a firm believer in what I call, you know, well, affirmations where you use that positive language. And um, I always like to share this, but one that I use every single morning is that there are so many things I get to do today. And it frames mm-hmm. my whole day because I'm giving myself, I have the choice. I get to do these things. Um, I'm It's self-empowerment. And when I find myself feeling like, oh my gosh, there's so many things I have to do, I immediately correct my negative thought that was internal and I say there, I get to do these things, you know, and it really, it gives me that power. You know, I have the power to choose. And when I feel like I didn't get as much done, I instead pivot to, these are all the things I accomplished today. That's amazing. You know, this will need to move to tomorrow when I can uh, be fresh and have more uh, energy to address it. But it's like, it's, it's absolutely that mindset. And if you catch yourself and you start paying attention, to your mindset during, you know, just day to day, start recording that and you see these negative thoughts. Um, you know, I have a piece on LinkedIn about how to create an affirmation and to, you know, really pick only three at a time, things that you want to work on and you want to change and then change whatever that is. So for me, it was that instead of saying, I have so much to do today, I changed that to, I have so many things I get to do today. And I still say that out loud every morning, as soon as I wake up and it frames my whole day. Um, uh, the other affirmations I go through cause they start to change my thought pattern and then I don't need them anymore. So, cause it takes about 20 days or so, uh, to change a habit, but there's ways that we can do that ourselves. And just remember, uh, you eat a meal one bite at a time. So just take a piece. And if you keep taking those pieces, it's going to make it better. And you basically, um, at the end of the day, you're giving yourself that incredible, you do have the power to choose. And you're basically taking that on and embracing that. So you can choose to, as to your point, you know, a new path, a new journey, mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way out, right? So yeah. that, that's an ama- your story is just truly amazing. Yeah. And I, I love what you've just said, because, you know, it's really, really important on many levels. So we might say, okay, I'm saying this positive thing, but what it took me years to learn is why that's important and what happens in your body, like behind the scenes. So for you, Lynn, when you're saying those affirmations in the morning, not only are you feeling good, because you're saying something positive and then that's you know you're you're then taking a positive action because of that and then it's that upward spiral but there's a part of our brain it's like a pencil shaped part at the back of our our skull and it's called the reticulating activating system or the RAS for short so what's happening is when you're saying your affirmation your mind is like right I'm going to show you evidence of that coming true and of you experiencing that all day. So just from doing this one thing, this focus in the morning, your whole day then you're being shown this beautiful evidence 
of of that affirmation so you know it doesn't get any better than that it's such an amazing thing and the other really lovely thing about that is then you're getting this release of good chemicals in your body, those good hormones. So you're getting a serotonin and the oxytocin. So not only do you feel good, but then your body is standing down and it's relaxing. And these, you know, these hormones are then making you feel even better. So it's, you know, it's these, what they seem like small steps are mighty steps. Yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't know that's how it actually worked behind the scenes. So thanks for sharing that. That's really interesting. You're welcome. It's taken me years to learn. But um, now that I have, I'm kind of like, you know, I just want to share with everybody, right? These are the things you can do, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, Natasha, your experiences are parallel to what many other women experience. Why are so many women specifically burnt out? There's a number of reasons. And I think, you know, the key, you know, the number one reason is the amount of different roles we have as women. You know, we are, we're a daughter, we're, we can be a mother, we're a sister, we can be an aunt, we're, you know, we're a worker, we are a carer. We have all of these different roles and we grow up in a society where we are often conditioned to be valued by what we do and who we do it for so you know the more roles that we have we're rewarded and we're told you know especially when we're younger you're a good girl you know you're doing so well you know I love what you do not who you are I love what you do and I love what you do for me so women grow up with this conditioning right so we're bringing these past stories into our adult lives and into our present time so if we've grown up with parents that show us love when we achieve we become high achievers because that's the only way we know how to get love And so there's many different kind of conditioning patterns that come from our childhoods. That's just one of them, the kind of perfectionism, high achiever. But the, you know, going back to your question, Amanda, you know, the biggest cause I think of burnout for women is the, the amount of roles that we then carry and then the expectations we place upon ourselves in delivering on those roles and we find it really hard to put boundaries in place to you know to say no when actually this is just a bit much at the moment for me and my family we feel that if we say no that actually we're we're not being helpful or we're being mean or we may have grown up in a family where people didn't say no so if you did say no that was seen as very negative and we didn't learn ways to kind of say to people you know I'd love to help you today but I really can't. How about next week? And then next week, you know, that issue isn't burning for them. And, you know, maybe they don't need you. Or if they do next week, you can carve out a chunk of time where it works for you. So, you know, the expectations, the roles. And then we've got this, I think, added area that adds to burnout, which is not living in alignment with who we are. So we're conditioned to be you know, the good girl, the quiet girl, the girl that's not too much and all these kind of stereotypes that get layered on us. Um, 
But we also end up, you know, in our different roles, say we're caring and we're a parent, um, you know, we end up kind of taking jobs or work that doesn't set us alight. You know, we can be in that situation where we're like, well, I have this skill and I'm good at this job. You know, I'll, you know, and I'm not knocking. Let's use accountancy as an example. You know, it, it's a great career and some people absolutely love numbers and it's perfect for them. and It's their passion. But some people might get dragged into a career just because it was something that they can do. So we go into our adult lives and we're not feeling that fulfillment. We're not being lit up and, you know, going to work isn't something that is a joy it's something that is a chore and it's a chore to be fitted alongside all these other chores and all of a sudden there's no space for kind of fun creativity and this is why we we get susceptible and we get pulled down into burnout yeah no I mean the conditioning part is definitely rings a, a strong bell and I definitely being able to say no we actually have an article um, at least an article, possibly a podcast or a webinar. <laughs> I don't know, because that's just such a big deal of how to say no. Um, first of all, how to have the gumption to say no, but also to do it graciously um, uh, yeah. and with kindness. But you can, and but firmly, you can absolutely, and it, it is important to, um, you know, sort of recognize your bandwidth and then work within those parameters. And then sometimes saying yes is really important. So then you have to look at, okay, so where can I say no in a different part so that I can say yes here, right? You know, and yeah. Uh, that yeah. balancing act. And I, you know, uh, this has really been an amazing conversation, but I want to sort of go now to that last part, you know, of moving forward in your own career of how did you get into helping other women uh, to overcome the, their troubled childhoods, the burnout, and other situations similar to the kinds of experiences that you've had. Um, and, you know, really, I mean, how does that, um, you know, what does that really feel like when you're able to help them recover? Oh, amazing. Um, so, you know, the back shot of this is really, I had 25 years supporting social enterprises, small businesses, and often I was drawn to kind of supporting women in those roles. And over the years in, in England, we had a lot of funding cut. And what we were finding is it was mostly health projects that had money. So I was getting more and more involved in the health field. And then after my experience with burnout, I was getting really interested in women's health. Health because I could see, you know, women were just working so hard. And that's no, not saying men don't, because of course men do. But I was curious about the women and how they were coping. And so I decided, do you know what? I just want to help women who would have been in my situation and help them move forward. Because, you know, sometimes it's not as easy as kind of putting boundaries in place or being who you are and being authentic or being or saying no because what happens is if you've had a childhood where saying no was confrontational and then that led to abuse or if you've had a relationship as a woman where it was an abusive relationship and you would put boundaries in place and then that was seen as kind of like negative and then there was a consequence to that every time women then you know try and do these things they're finding that you know they're going into fight and flight they're getting triggered and a coping mechanism is coming up for them so i was watching women 
like then, you know, over drinking, overeating, spending money, hiding, you know, having these coping mechanisms where, you know, life suddenly became a lot harder because the coping mechanisms at first was a bit of self-soothing, just helping you to get through a situation. But then pretty quickly that was flipping and that was in control of the women. And so for me, you know, I was like, OK, what's what's the missing link here? And in my in my belief and my experience with my clients, it's about the subconscious mind. So very quickly for anybody that's listening, you know, we have our conscious mind, which is five percent of our mind. We have our subconscious, which is 95 percent. So our beliefs, our behaviors, our intuition, our emotions, all of that is held in our subconscious. Our logical, rational mind is the conscious mind. So I'd see these women time and time again trying to put boundaries in place trying to say no trying to be authentic and working really hard but then they just fall back into that self-sabotage right and they didn't know why and I just was so delighted to be able to apply that you know what I'd learned through the burnout to helping them break these subconscious stories that were keeping them stuck and it's you know it sounds like, a, you know, oh, you're breaking a subconscious story. What does that mean? It's conversations like we're having. It's changing viewpoints. I use I sometimes use hypnosis, um, but it's not stage hypnosis. It's just, you know, putting somebody into a relaxed space. But you can equally do it in conversations where you're rewiring, you're changing those stories and using, you know, neuroplasticity where the brain forms new thoughts. And we can do that up until the day that we die. Right. So I was using those principles to help these women change and they were able to then set boundaries to say no, to step into their power, to trust themselves, you know, that they were right and that people would listen to them, no matter what these negative kind of thoughts or beliefs had been created before. So that's, you know, that was my pull into this work and has been since. And, you know, I work with hundreds of women around the world. We're all the same. We're all human. We have the same set of challenges and yet we grow up believing we're the only one that's broken. We're the only one that can't say no. We're the only one that can't set boundaries. So I say to everyone, if I can heal, you can definitely heal. And, you know, the key is just putting these foundational pieces in place and learning to be, you know, in ourselves, learning to step into our own power you know, like you were saying earlier, Lynn, which is beautiful, you know, when you have your affirmations, you just feel so powerful and empowered in your day. And this is an extension of that. Well, that's, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And Natasha, thank you so much for sharing your story. I think Amanda and I have gotten and our everyone who's tuning in has gotten so much out of this, you know, this journey from a traumatic childhood to burnout, uh, being wheelchair bound, uh, to recovery and finding your happiness. Um, wow. I mean, it's just inspirational. And I know our audience is going to want to know um, uh, where and how they can find more out more about you. 
Thank you, Lynn. And it's been a pleasure talking about that. It's such a passion of mine because, you know, we all have, you know, we all have that ability to move our lives into a place where it is fun and enjoyable. We just need the tools and to be shown. So thank you. Um, I, I have a beautiful quiz for people. It's a two minute quiz. You can see if you're close to burnout or if you're in burnout and it's got step by step actions that you can just take straight away so people can have a look at that. I run a masterclass every month about how to remove yourself from burnout. And again, it's just a free one hour. People can come, take what they need, go away and apply those tools. And I have, you know, all kinds of stuff on Instagram so people can find me there um, there's lots of freebies on there different recordings you know different workbooks just tools just to get them out into the community so wherever you are there's something that's available for you yeah and we'll make sure to include the link to the quiz um, and our show notes along with your website so that makes it easy we are one click away for everybody who's tuning in and Natasha and Amanda thank you so much for this really, as we phrased at the beginning, just critically, vitally important discussion. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So um, for everyone out there, thank you for joining us today. Um, we're thrilled to have you. If you have any ideas that you would like to share, you can leave us a comment uh, down below in the comment section. If you would like to, um, we loved hearing from you and hearing your thoughts. And of course, if you would like to suggest a topic uh, for discussion, you can send us an email at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com. And of course, to stay up front and, uh, and don't miss out on any of our incredible resources, the articles, um, everything we have to offer, you can sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petitequeen.com. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Amanda. Bye, everyone.